Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Good morning. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord today. This is our final worship service of the year 2014, and I trust that we've all come prepared to worship the Lord today. I want to draw your attention to your bulletin. Um, But as you're getting your bulletin out, just so you can look at a few things, I want to say welcome to our guests and would ask our Bowling Springs folks to kind of look around and pick you somebody out to maybe talk to after worship today and welcome them here today. We're glad you're here. Uh, In front of you, you'll find a little pink or purple slip of paper. Um, What I'd ask you to do if you are a guest with us today is just give us some general information, name, address, phone number on the back of that. Drop it in the offering plate. That way we can get in touch with you and give give you a chance to get to know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Bowling Springs folks, I want to invite you to grab those pink and purple slips and write down names of those that need to be cared for. Those are our care slips, and our care ministry operates out of the, off of those slips. So if you don't give us people to contact, then we're, we're kind of struggling with being able to do that. So we need you to let us know who needs calls, who needs prayer, who needs cards. Um, those kind of things so that we continue to reach out and care for those that are close to us and near to near to us. So please do that. With that being said, I uh, want to let you know that our E team, the care team E, will meet, will meet this Wednesday night at 5.30, but there'll be no other Wednesday night activities or services on Wednesday, the December 31st, but care team will meet. Uh, also, we'll let you know that the C team will meet on January the 8th. So they will not meet January the 1st, but will meet January the 8th. So just make a note of that. There'll be no evening services tonight. You'll see that uh, listed in your bulletin. Also, want to let you know that one of the things going on this week and one of our focuses will we'll be undecorating the church, which will begin tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. So if you're available tomorrow, please come and help take down our decorations and, and put them up. would be greatly uh, appreciated, I know. Miss Joan, now... Um, I, I probably would not do her justice. I could probably turn her loose on this mic. She'd get 50 people to be here tomorrow. Um, but just the same, please, please come help do that. That's a very uh, important thing for this week. On the back of that, I want to let you see that we do have a baby shower this afternoon, so please make note of that. Also make note of the Deacon of the Week and our upcoming committee training that will be um, going on at the end of January. We need all of those serving on committees to be a part of that. Uh, and want to drop down to the bottom and just remind you about two things for next Sunday. Next Sunday being the first Sunday of the new year, we will be having uh, our first Feed the Flock. Now, that didn't make the bulletin, so make you a note. The youth will be having their first Feed the Flock front fundraiser. We will have soup and grilled cheese sandwich for everyone to enjoy following worship, and that will be for a donation that will go to the youth ministry. So please uh, make note of that. Make plans to stay and eat with us. If you would like to make a dessert, that would be kindly appreciated. So just bring a dessert that Sunday morning, and we'll um, put those out and make those a part of the meal. But also next Sunday afternoon, one of our youth will be hosting a blood drive, which will take part in the parking lot. Um, they'll got a, a, mobile, a mobile blood mobile, which will be going on. So, and, and that 
will um, help her to earn a uh, college scholarship. So if you want to make an appointment to give blood next Sunday afternoon, the number for Madison Latham is in the bulletin there, so I would invite you to call her and make an appointment. That's a, a very great thing for us to be able to do. One, to give blood, but two, to, to help one of our youth be able to um, possibly get a college scholarship would be awesome. want to also draw your attention to our mission goal. Um, this Sunday concludes our emphasis on global mission and how awesome it has been to see those come in. And in just a few minutes, we're going to watch a video um, pertaining to our global mission offering. So let's, uh, let's do that now. One mission leader in the early 20th century said, the church is to mission as a flame is to burning. We can't separate them. It's our reason for being. The church is at the center of God's mission in the world because it is a community where God is renewing all things. A community that's revolutionary because at the center of that community is Jesus Christ. And he was constantly breaking boundaries and breaking bread with all sorts of people that the world uh, didn't think he should be breaking bread with. We really believe that the foundation of all good ministry and mission and service is a genuine relationship and not, not a relationship where one person is the caregiver and one person is the care recipient, but where it's a genuine, mutual, loving relationship. Our churches are full of so much life that it really does make me think of the body of Christ. There's heart and it's beating. It's beating consistently, persistently. Our churches are the absolute foundation and the future of the fellowship. We live in a century when mission no longer has a single center. For the better part of 300 years, mission did. It was in the West and it went to the world from the West. For far too long, in our approach, we assumed that we had all of the benefit or all of the good, and the people in the community didn't have that. There's a terrible lack of reciprocity that denies the image of God in people. It seems to me to be our work to celebrate the image of God in people, to lift that up and to call them to be more, but not in a way that would deny the good that God has already placed in them. Many of us grew up Baptist in a world where we put our money in an offering plate and we knew that it was going to fund a missionary on the other side of the world. There's a new and different world emerging. Sometimes I have the opportunity to go and to speak with a church about uh, how they can adjust their approach to mission. Inevitably, the question I get from someone is, we can just give money, right? And I'll say, of course, absolutely, and it will help. It'll help the people who are hungry. It'll help the homeless. The only person it won't help is you. You've made it all this way, and you've missed the opportunity to be transformed yourself. 
From the very beginning, CBFL personnel have never thought that they were the only way to get things done. We don't have enough money, we don't have enough resources. But if we look around ourselves and see who we can bring along with us, we do believe there is plenty. Our churches are missional. They're outside their doors. It isn't just a nickel in an envelope and call that missions. It, it is really engagement outside the walls of the church. It's a portfolio of missions. The mission engagement portfolio is a way for a church to build a framework for celebrating what the congregation has been able to accomplish, to tell the stories of the mission endeavors, to count up all of the money that the church is investing in mission around the world, and to count up service hours, and to look forward to what commitments will the church make um, in the years going forward. Mission is not a program. Mission is not a line item on the budget. Mission is not just something a few people in the church do while everyone else gets a break. Mission is what the church is to be all about. What would happen if every CBF congregation had a relationship with everybody who lived within three blocks of their church? If we did that, it wouldn't take long for, for people to start realizing that, that grace is pouring out of us. There are gifts our congregations give the communities in which our field personnel serve that our field personnel can't muster on their own. There are resources, there are insights, there are relationships that are really crucial to the faithfulness of our field personnel's ministries that are really truly dependent on the partnerships with congregations. The work doesn't belong to us. We're an instrument in God's hands. And God, not only in Christ, but especially through the power of the Holy Spirit, is equipping us to share our life for the sake of the world. I want to say just a quick word of thanks for Matt filling in for Paul who is continuing to travel this morning with his family and also for Reginald who will be bringing our message this morning and in Jim's absence who is also spending some time with family this morning. So as Matt comes and leads our next hymn this morning, this is our in-gathering. This is a time where we bring our, our um, mission offering um, and, and praying that God blesses and uses it because I think it's cool that, that God's way bigger than us and he takes what little bit we have and give and makes it tremendously uh, bigger. So let's sing this more. And uh, our hymn is hymn number 579, Shine Jesus, Shine. And would you stand as we sing and uh, do the end gathering? <laughs>
seated. Amen. Let me get all the children to come on down. And as they're coming, I want to just draw attention to a couple of flower arrangements that are here this morning. This arrangement here is in honor of the um, Voiles triplets, Levi and Callan and Silas. And then there is a special arrangement in the vestibule I want to draw your attention to, which is in honor of Hilda Lale, who has given us 22 years of service to our church and we are grateful for her dedication to us cleaning our church building. She'll be retiring at the end of this year. So um, if you see her, tell her how grateful we are for her dedication to us. Good morning. Woo. Christmas, been, Christmas celebration been rough? Good morning. Good morning. All right, we got a little bit of livelihood going on. Hey, I want to ask you all. I didn't, I didn't bring anything to show you because I don't really know how to show you this. I just want to ask you, what is a promise? Um, like if somebody tells you that they forgive you and they really mean it. Yeah, they really mean it. Somebody tells you they're going to do something, they mean it. Be it forgive someone or you're going to do something. If you tell somebody you're going to be somewhere... Um, a promise is something that you say that you're going to do, right? And once we make a promise, what do we need to try to do? We need to try to keep those promises. So I don't know, you, you probably haven't experienced this a whole lot, maybe just a little bit, but I don't know about you, but I'm careful with that word. I promise. Because if I say I promise, then what have I got to do? You got to keep it. You got to follow through on it. So, you know, we, we kind of use that word carefully, I promise. But, you know, I, I really want us to think about that. When we say that we're going to do something, do we really even need to promise to do it? Because if we say we're going to do it, we probably need to be a man of our word and do it, right? Yeah, because if not, then we've done what? We've told a, oh, we've told a lie. We've told a lie. Well, do you know that the birth of Jesus was a promise? Did you know that? The birth of Jesus was a promise to the people of Israel for a Savior. That, that was a promise that, that God foretold in Old Testament prophecy. And there's a man that, that we hear, well, actually a man and, and a woman both, at the end of Luke 2. Now, Luke 2 is the primary scripture that we use for the Christmas story. And at the end of Luke 2, we see two people's names. There's a guy named Simeon and a lady named, is it Anna? Yeah. And you've heard of, of those two people? And they were able to see God's promise when Jesus came into the temple. When, when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple when he was a little boy, that was part of God's prophecy fulfilled, his promise fulfilled. Now, I want us to think about this. This is very risky for Mary and Joseph to do, to, to bring Jesus to the temple. Why would it be risky to bring Jesus to the temple? What could have happened to Jesus? Somebody could have took him. Somebody could have took him. And there were people who, pro who were wanting to. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about this next week when we talk about the star and the magi who come to, to Jesus. But King Herod was looking for Jesus. And he's looking to do what to Jesus? Kill him. Kill him. 
So it was very risky for Mary and Joseph to bring Jesus to the temple, but they also had told Jesus they would uh, told God they would do what God wanted them to do. It was part of the promise. So I say all that to say this. God gives us Jesus as a promise. And I'm going to tell y'all, i got to believe that it's a very difficult promise for God. Because Jesus grows up to be a man, and he dies. And Jesus has to watch that. Or God has to watch that. So I know that was a very hard promise for God to keep. But he did it. Why? Because he loves us. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be hard promises that you're going to have to keep. And I'm going to tell you, God will see you through those hard promises. Because God has fulfilled His promise to us through the form of Jesus. And we trust Him. And we do what He tells us to in His Word. And we do what He tells us to through the lives of people that He puts into our lives that we trust. So there's going to be hard promises to keep. But we keep promises. All right? And coming up this year, you may be wanting to think about doing some things in your life. I challenge you to do that. Make some goals. Think about what you want to do differently at school. Maybe how you want to treat people differently. But whatever you decide to do, stick with it. Keep your promises. Because God kept His promise to us. Let's pray. God, we thank You for keeping Your promise in sending us Jesus. And may we be faithful, just as you have been faithful to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Carol, what child is this, is about the reaction of the angels and the shepherds and the wise men to the fulfillment of God's promise, as Wesley was just speaking of. So let's uh, sing together number 118, 118, what child is this? Let's stand
prayer thought for this week has been the blessings of 2014. And we have been blessed. We've been blessed individually. We've been blessed as families. And we've been blessed as a church family. And if you look at the bottom there in our financial contributions, God has blessed us. And my prayer is that we continue to ask God to lead us and how to best use what he has blessed us with, not just financially, but with our gifts. And as we grow spiritually in the year 2015, I pray that all of us will consider how we can best serve God here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church. And part of our spiritual growth is our um, spiritual growth studies, which will begin next Sunday evening. And on the table and in the back vestibule is a teaching plan. We'll be going through a book by Frank Viola called Revive Us or Revise Us. We'll be looking at a renewed Christian script. And we'll be looking at different parts of what we do as believers and as a church and why we do those. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the religious things that we do that we often forget about their meaning and why it's special to us. So um, lots to think about as we enter the new year. But let's uh, pray together this morning. Father God, it is a great, great day to be in your house to worship you. You are a great and loving God, and you have blessed us beyond measure. God, in the gift of your son Jesus and salvation through his death and resurrection, we'll never be able to say thank you enough for that. God, you don't ask us to repay you for that. What you ask us to do is to trust you in faith and to give ourselves to you and allow you to do in us what you want. Our prayer today is that we make ourselves available to you. God, take all that we have and make it yours. And Lord, I realize that's a very dangerous prayer. But I pray that you would do whatever it takes to cause us to turn to you and to realize that it's not about us. It's not about what we want. But it's about your plan in the world. And I am so thankful that you allow us to be a part of your plan. And God, even when we're not faithful, you are. And we're so thankful for that. My prayer is that for each person that sits in this sanctuary or hears this today, that we would know that you love us unconditionally, that there's nothing that we can do to make you love us more or love us less. And we thank you for your unconditional love. And I pray that you'd help us to be able to see others in that same way. We know there are many in our church family who are hurting. We pray for peace and comfort. We know of others who are battling physical sickness, and we pray that they experience healing. 
We pray for the people of this community that they see you. Father, again, we say thank you. And I pray that you are lifted high in worship for you are great and mighty and wonderful. And we pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Our offertory hymn this morning is about the uh, three wise men and their, their trip and their gifts and uh, the why of, of what they did. It's uh, number 113, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Let's stand and sing together.
Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful to be able to worship you in this wonderful place, especially at this, this Christmas time. As Wesley said, we've all been very blessed in many ways. As we come to give back a portion of what you've given us, remember and uh, let us remember to give also our time and our talents, not just our money. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Reginald told me not to give him a big introduction. He didn't want to have a lot to live up to. Uh, but I, I am grateful for Reginald and his wife, Barbara, and for what they do for our church. And uh, They are members here, and um, Reginald comes to us with over 45 years of ministry. Um, that is just awesome. Um, we thank you for your service to the Lord. Uh, I know he is excited about his three sons and their families being able to be with us today, and so we are grateful that you are able to be here. But we uh, await attentively as Reginald comes after the choir sings to share with us what God has laid on his heart. If you notice, the uh, choir song today is a good one. So uh, I invite you to, um, to worship without abandon.
I usually give you this, but you know that little song? He knows when you've been good and when you've been bad, so be good for goodness sake. And so I know you've been good. I know you've been good. So we won't give you a blessing now. We'll give you a blessing later on. Where's Brother Hamrick? Oh, he's not here this morning. The Hamrick I'm looking for. There he is way back down the back. I'm not going to preach on the key next door. Okay, and I don't know why you remember that, but I'm going to preach this morning on the call to excel, because I think that's what Dr. Jim is trying to get you to do. Not only are you giving now, yes, you're giving, but you give, say you, say you give a penny, give two pennies next time, give three pennies next time, give four pennies next time. I don't care what it is, just double what you're giving. One of history's greatest conductors was Arturo Toscanini. He was born in Parma, Italy in 1867. Toscanini died in his sleep in New York City in 1957. I go back quite a few years, as many of you know. And for years, he conducted the National Broadcasting Company's Symphony Orchestra in New York City's Carnegie Hall. The last time he conducted, he was 87 years old. 87 years old. Those who played for Toscanini say he was a terrible taskmaster in her rehearsals. Often those rehearsals were battlegrounds between the maestro and his orchestra. He could be ruthless in his verbal tortures he heaped upon some unfortunate musician. But at the same time, he could be as gentle as a grandfather. Once in a rehearsal, a member of the orchestra was performing poorly in a solo passage. Toscanini wrapped his baton for silence and placing one hand on his hip, he touched the end of his nose with the baton. The orchestra knew from experience that a terrible storm was about to break upon that poor uh, soloist. An ominous silence filled the room as Toscanini called the player by name. And looking kindly at the trembling musician for a few minutes, Toscanini then asked pleasantly, Tell me, please, when were you born? And when the question was answered, the master then asked, and in what month? And when he learned the month of the man's birth, all wondered what was coming next. And on that day of the month were you born, Toscanini queried, now completely unnerved by Toscanini's questioning. The poor musician answered, I think it was Tuesday, sir. Suddenly all of Toscanini's fury was unleashed, and he shouted at the quivering musician, that was a black day for music, wasn't it? <laughs> he then raised his baton in the air, struck the downbeat, and the orchestra began to play as though nothing had happened. <clears throat> in a moment, they arrived at the dreaded solo passage where the small mistake had infuriated Toscanini. But this time, the soloist played his part without a bobble. <clears throat> and stopping the orchestra... 
Toscanini looked at the white-faced soloist and said, so-so. With his hand, he threw a kiss to the musician. He had verbally, just verbally, and then sweetly said, you are not stupid, you play well. Now I'm happy, you are happy, Beethoven is happy. And in that same book that you can't get now, no, you can't get it now, Toscanini was rehearsing with his orchestra and he wanted a piece of the music played perfectly. But it was obvious that the orchestra was not giving its best. Laying down his baton, Toscanini said quietly, gentlemen, God told me how he wants this piece of music played and you are hindering God. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I love that. But you know, tall Paul, and when you read these scriptures, had been told of the vice of spirit that had developed in the church of Philippi. The quarrel between Euodia and Syntyche had affected the church. Paul was unhappy with them. They were unhappy with each other. And Jesus was unhappy with their negative attitude. Therefore, Paul wrote to them that they were hindering God and to repair the sweet fellowship that once marked the church. God had called them to excellence that once marked the church. God had called them to excel, but they were not conducting themselves on the high plane of love and unselfishness to which they had been called. And so I'd like for us to look now at these verses and some of the things that are involved in this holy call to excel that God has given to each of us and each believer in Jesus Christ. And that's you and me. The first one is a call to new obedience. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. That's verses 12 through 13 that I have asked you to read. Paul wanted the Philippians to understand that their obedience to Jesus Christ was a matter of primary importance. And once they were ruled by their sinful nature, but in Christ they had been called to a new obedience. This new obedience to which the believer is called <coughs> is clarified in verse 12. Look at it, verse 12. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Lest anyone misunderstand, <clears throat> Paul was not preaching a message or a gospel of salvation by good works. He clearly refuted that heresy in Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 8 through 10, did he not? Rather, he appealed to the Philippians to forsake their self-centered ways, work out in their daily lives what God had worked within them. And that's what Jim has been preaching on here, I believe, that he wants God to work out within you what God has worked within you. God is the divine energizer at work in them and in us. He is the one who works in you and wills to act according to his good purpose. Verse 13, it is he who has planted within us the seeds of faith and grace and have brought new life. He is at work in us, stirring us up to, to do his will and to act according to what pleases him. 
We try to please ourselves, don't we? We don't try to please him. You didn't please him to come to church this morning. You pleased someone who was sitting next to you, weren't you? Weren't you? Yeah, I see you going your head like that. This call to excellence to which the Heavenly Father has called us in Jesus Christ is our salvation and all that flows from it. We are to work it out, express it with fear and trembling. Verse 12, Dr. A.T. Robinson quoted Dr. J.B. Flightfoot as saying it means with a nervous and trembling anxiety to do right, to do right. Paul had no trouble problem here connecting faith and works because he was not telling us how to be saved, but how are we to live after we have been saved. We are to trust in Jesus Christ and him alone as our Savior. I'm a Jesus man, y'all know that. But after we have been saved, it is our heart's desire to please our Father. And it is He who has put that desire in our hearts. The Holy Spirit within us stirs us to work out in our lives what God has worked in us through His grace. Oh, man. American storyteller Archibald Rutledge tells about a man who worked in one of the great forests of the South. His faithful dog had burned to death a few minutes earlier in a great fire that had swept through the forest. Rutledge said the little dog had been left under a tree to guard his master's dinner pail and wouldn't leave him even when the flames roared about him. The worker was brokenhearted when he found the charred remains of his little friend and with tears just streaming down his face, he said, always had to be careful with what I told him to do because I knew he would do it. This and more is a kind of obedience to which Jesus has called you and I. The new obedience that is to characterize the believer is based on the obedience of Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God. Let us pray. Yes, we see a new call to a new attitude. Do everything without complaining or arguing, without murmuring, as the King James translates that word. Paul urged them to quit their complaining and arguing so that in a wicked world they might be perceived by the world to become the kinds of sons and daughters of whom God would be pleased. And then Paul says there's a call to a new commandment and a call to a new outlook. And referring to his sending of Timothy to the Philippians, Paul wrote in verses 23 through 24, I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Yes, to every man there openeth a way and a ways and a way. And the high soul climbs a highway, and the soul, low soul gropes a low. And in between on the misty flats the rest drift to and fro. But to every man there openeth a highway and a low. And every man decideth the way his soul shall go. That's by John Oxenham. I have his little book. What a great poet he was. And how meaningful are those words in our lives. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen.
Now I want to thank this choir, your lovely choir, your wonderful choir. You can really sing, excel for the Lord Jesus. Oh, yes. And you, the congregation, there's so many of you that I recognize. I won't call you by name. I just happen to call Ed and Sybil because I'm always blessing them. I don't know why she's always asking for that blessing, but I know. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sakes. Lord, thank you. And we'll ask Wesley. Where's Wesley? Wesley, I think you're going to come down here and we'll have him lead. And we just thank him so much for leading this morning. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you, Reginald, for sharing with us this morning and what a challenge it is for us to work out our salvation and to follow God in obedience and put ourselves to the side. That's it's a difficult thing. We live in the midst of that struggle every day. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed this morning. God, as we leave this place, may we constantly look to you in the midst of our struggle the struggle of setting ourselves aside and lifting you up in our lives. And we pray that you would give us the faith and the ability to do that, to trust in you, because that's where it comes from. God, we can't come up with this on our own. But we are so thankful for the way that you have revealed yourself to us and the way that you show yourself to us. And please continue to help us to know that we didn't come to any of that knowledge on our own. But God, you, out of love... Reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus. And for that, we are thankful. And may we live our lives in a way that point people to Him. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. 
located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.